Part five of Child Christopher and Goldilin the Fair by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seventeen Goldilind comes back to Green Harbour. They rode speedily and had with them men who knew the woodland ways, so that the journey was not so long thence as Goldilind had made it thither. And they stayed not for nightfall, since the moon was bright so that they came before the castle gates before midnight. Now Goldilind looked to be cast into prison, whatever might befall her upon the morrow. But so it went not, for she was led straight to her own chamber, and one of her women, but not Aloise, waited on her, and when she tried to have some tidings of her, the woman spake to her no more than if she were dumb. So all unhappily she laid her down in her bed, foreboding the worst, which she deemed might well be death at the hand of her jailers. As for Christopher, she saw the last of him as they entered the castle gate, and knew not what they had done with him. So she lay in dismal thoughts, but at last fell asleep for mere weariness. When she awoke it was broad day, and there was someone going about in the chamber. She turned and saw that it was Aloise. She felt sick at heart, and durst not move or ask of tidings, but presently Aloise turned and came to the bed, and made an obeisance, but spake not. Goldilind raised her head and said wearily, What is to be done, Aloise? Wilt thou tell me? For my heart fails me, and meseems, unless they have some mercy, I shall die to-day. Nay, said the chambermaid, keep thine heart up, for here is one at hand who would see thee, when it is thy pleasure to be seen. Yea, said Goldilind, Dame Eleanor to wit. And she moaned, and fear and heart-sickness lay so heavy on her, that she went nigh to swooning. But Aloise lifted up her head, and brought her wine, and made her drink. And when Goldilind was come to herself again, the maid said, I say, keep up thine heart, for it is not Dame Eleanor and the rods that would see thee, but a mighty man nay the most mighty to wit earl geoffrey who is king of meadom in all but the name goldilin did in sooth take heart at this tidings and she said i wonder what he may have to do here all this while he hath not been to green harbour or may happen it might have been better for me i wot not said aloise but even so it is i shall tell thee the messenger whose horse thou didst steal brought no other word in his mouth save this that my lord earl was coming and come he did but that was toward sunset long after they had laid the bloodhounds on thy slot and i had been whipped for letting thee find the way out of gates now our lady when thou hast seen the earl and hast become our lady and mistress indeed wilt thou bethink thee of the morn before yesterday on my behalf yea said goldilind if ever it shall befall befall it shall said aloise I dreamed of thee three nights ago, and thou sitting on thy throne, commanding and forbidding the great men. But at worst no harm hath happened save to my shoulders and sides, by thy stealing thyself, since thou hast come back in the nick of time, and of thine own will, as men say. But tell me now of thine holiday, and if it were pleasant to thee. Goldilind fell a-weeping at the word, bethinking her of yesterday morning, and Aloise stood looking on her, but saying naught. At last spake Goldilin softly, Tell me, Aloise, 
didst thou hear any speaking of that young man who was brought in hither last night have they slain him said aloise soothly my lady i deem they have done him no hurt though i wot not for sure there hath been none headed or hanged in the base court to-day i heard talk amongst the men-of-arms of one whom they took they said he was a wonder of sheer strength and how that he cast their men about as though he were playing at ball sooth to say they seemed to bear him no grudge therefore but now i would counsel thee to arise and i am bidden to tire and array thee at the best and now i would say a word in thine ear to wit that dame eleanor feareth thee somewhat this morn so goldilind arose and was arrayed like a very queen and was served of what she would by aloise and the other women and sat in her chamber awaiting the coming of the mighty lord of Medum. chapter eighteen earl geoffrey speaks with goldilind but a little while had she sat there before footsteps a many came to the door which was thrown open and straight it was as if the sun had shone on a flower-bed for there was come earl geoffrey and his lords all arrayed most gloriously then came the earl up the chamber to goldilind and bent the knee before her and said lady and queen is it thy pleasure that thy servant should kiss thine hand she made him little cheer but reached out to him her lily hand in its gold sleeve and said thou must do thy will so he kissed the hand reverently and said and these my lords may they enter and do obeisance and kiss hands my lady said goldilind i will not strive to gainsay their will or thine my lord so they entered and knelt before her and kissed her hand and to say sooth most of them had been fain to kiss both hands of her yea and her cheeks and her lips though but little cheer she made them but looked sternly on them then the earl spake to her and told her of her realm and how folk thrived and of the deep peace that was upon the land and of the merry days of medum and the praise of the people and she answered him nothing but as he spake her bosom began to heave and the tears came into her eyes and rolled down her cheeks then man looked on man and the earl said my masters i deem that my lady hath will to speak to me privily as to one who is her chiefest friend and well-willer is it so my lady she might not speak for the tears that welled out from her heart but she bowed her head and strove to smile on him but the earl waved his hand and those lords and the women also voided the chamber and left those two alone the earl standing before her but ere he could speak she arose from her throne and fell on her knees before him and joined hands palm to palm and cried in a broken voice mercy mercy have pity on my young life great lord but he lifted her up and set her on her throne again and said nay my lady this is unmeet but if thou wouldst talk and tell with me i am ready to hearken she strove with her passion a while and then she said great lord i pray thee to hearken and to have patience with a woman's weak heart prithee sit down here beside me it were unfitting he said i shall take a lowlier seat then he drew a stool to him and sat down before her and said what aileth thee what wouldest thou then she said lord earl i am in prison i would be free quoth he yea and is this a prison then yea she said 
since i may not so much as go out from it and come back again unthreatened yet have i been and that unseldom in a worser prison than this do thou go look on the least guard-chamber and see if it be a meet dwelling-place for thy master's daughter he spake nought a while and then he said and yet if it grieveth thee it marreth thee nought for when i look on thee mine eyes behold the beauty of the world and the body wherein is no lack she reddened and said if it be so it is god's work and i praise him therefore but how long will it last for grief slayeth beauty he looked on her long and said to thy friends i betook thee and i looked that they should cherish thee where then is the wrong that i have done thee she said may be no wrong wittingly since now belike thou art come to tell me that all this weary sojourn is at an end that thou wilt take me to Medhamstead and set me on the throne there and show my father's daughter to all the people he held his peace and his face grew dark before her while she watched it at last he spake in a harsh voice lady he said it may not be here in green harbour must thou abide or in some other castle apart from the folk yea she said now i see it is true that which i foreboded when first i came hither thou wouldst slay me that thou mayest sit safely in the seat of thy master's daughter thou durst not send me a man with a sword to thrust me through therefore thou hast cast me into prison amongst cruel jailers who have been bidden by thee to take my life slowly and with torments hitherto i have withstood their malice and thine but now i am overcome and since i know that i must die i have now no fear and this is why i am bold to tell thee this that i have spoken though i wot now i shall be presently slain and now i tell thee i repent it that i have asked grace of a graceless face although she spake strong words it was with a mild and steady voice but the earl was sore troubled and he rose up and walked to and fro of the chamber half drawing his sword and half thrusting it back into the scabbard from time to time at last he came back to her and sat down before her and spake maiden thou art somewhat in error true it is that i would sit firm in my seat and rule the land of medum as belike none other could true it is also that i would have thee the rightful heir dwell apart from the turmoil for a while at least for i would not have thy white hands thrust me untimely from my place or thy fair face held up as a banner by my foeman yet nowise have i willed thy death or thine anguish and if all be true as thou sayest it and thou art so lovely that i know not how to doubt it tell me then what these have done with thee she said sir those friends to whom thou hast delivered me are my foes whether they were thy friends or not wilt thou compel me to tell thee all my shame they have treated me as a thrall who had wiles to play a queen's part in a show to wit thy chaplain whom thou hast given me hast looked on me with lustful eyes and has bidden me buy of him ease and surcease of pain with my very body and hath threatened me more evil else and kept his behest then leapt up the earl and cried out ha did he so then i tell thee this monk's hud shall not be stout enough to save his neck now my child thou speakest tell me more since my hair is whitening she said the sleek smooth-spoken woman to whom thou gavest me didst thou bid her to torment me with stripes and the dungeon and the dark and solitude and hunger 
Nay, by all hallows, he said, nor thought of it. Trust me, she shall pay therefore if so she hath done. She said, I crave no vengeance, but mercy I crave, and thou mayst give it me. Then were they both silent till he said, Now I, for my part, will pray thee bear what thou must bear, which shall be naught save this, that thy queenship lie quiet for a while, nought else of evil shall betide thee henceforth, but as much of pleasure and joy as may go with it. But tell me, there is a story of thy snatching a holiday these two days, and of a young man whom thou didst happen on. Tell me now, not as a maiden to her father or warder, but as a great lady might tell a great lord, what be tid betwixt you two, for thou art not one on whom a young and doughty man may look unmoved. By all hallows, but thou art a firebrand, my lady. And he laughed therewith. Goldilind flushed red exceeding, but she answered steadily, Lord Earl, this is the very sooth, that I might not fail to see it, how he thought me worth looking on, but treated me with all honour as a brother might a sister. Tell me, said the Earl, what like was this man? Said she, he was young, but strong beyond measure, and full doughty. True it is that I saw him with mine eyes take and heave up one of our men in his hands, and cast him away as a man would a clod of earth. The Earl knit his brow. Yea, said he, and that story I have heard from the men-at-arms also. But what was the man like of aspect? She reddened. He was of a most goodly body, she said, fair-eyed and of a face well-carven, his speech kind and gentle. And yet more she reddened, said the Earl. Didst thou hear what he was, this man? She said, I deem from his own words that he was but a simple forester. Yea, quoth the Earl, a simple forester, nay, but a woodman, an outlaw, a waylayer, so say our men, that he fell on them with the cry, A tofts, a tofts! Hast thou never heard of Jack of the Tofts? Nay, never, said she, said the Earl. He is the king of these good fellows, and a perilous host they be. Now I fear me, if he proven to be one of these, there will be a gallows reared for him to-morrow, for as fair and as doughty as he may be. She turned all pale, and her lips quivered. Then she rose up and fell on her knees before the earl, and cried out, O oh, sir, a grace, a grace, I pray thee, pardon this poor man who was so kind to me. The earl raised her up and smiled, and said, Nay, my lady queen, wouldst thou kneel to me? It is unmeet, and as for this woodman, it is for thee to pardon him, and not for me. And since, by good luck, he is not hanged yet, thy word hath saved his neck. She sat down in her chair again, but still looked white and scared. But the earl spake again, and kindly, Now to all these matters I shall give heed, my lady. Wherefore I will ask leave of thee, and be gone. And to-morrow I will see thee again, and lay some reed before thee. Meantime, be of good cheer, for thou shalt be made as much of as may be, and live in mickle joy if thou wilt. And if any as much as give thee a hard word, it shall be the worse for them. Therewith he arose and made obeisance to her, and departed. And she abode quiet, and looking straight before her, till the door shut, and then she put her hands to her face and fell a-weeping, and scarce knew what ailed her betwixt hope and rest of body and love, though that she called not by its right name. 
Chapter 19 Earl Geoffrey Speaketh with Christopher Now it is to be said that the Earl had much tidings told him of Christopher, and had no intent to put him to death, but rather meant to take him into the company of his guard, to serve him in all honour, and that which he said as to hanging him was but to try Goldilind. But having heard and seen of her such as we have told, he now thought it good to have a privy talk with this young man. So he bade a squire lead him to where Christopher was held in ward, and went much pondering. So the squire brought him to the self-same littlest guard-room, in sooth a prison, where Goldilind had lain that other morn, and he gave the squire leave, and entered and shut the door behind him, so that he and Christopher were alone together. The young man was lying on his back on the pallet, with his hands behind his head, and his knees drawn up, murmuring some fag-end of an old song. But when he heard the door shut to, he sat up, and, turning to the newcomer, said, "'Art thou tidings? If so, then tell me quickly, which is it to be, the gallows or freedom?' "'Friend,' said the earl sternly, "'dost thou know who I am?' "'Nay,' said Christopher, "'by thine attire thou shouldst be some great man, but that is of little matter to me, since thou wilt neither bid slay me or let me go for a heedless word.' Quoth the earl, "'I am the master of the land of Meadham, so there is no need to tell thee that I have thy life or death in my hand. Now thou wilt not deny that thou art of the company of Jack of the Tofts.' "'It is sooth,' said Christopher. "'Well,' said the earl, "'thou art bold then to have come hither, for thou sayest it that thou art a wolf's head and forfeit of thy life. Now again,' thou didst take the lady of Meadham home to thy house yesterday, and wert with her alone a great while. Now according to thy dealings with her, thou dost merit either the most evil of deaths, or else it may be a reward. Ha! what sayest thou? Christopher leapt up and said in a loud voice, Lord King, whatsoever I may be, I am not each man's dastard. When I saw that pearl of all women, I loved her indeed, as who should not, but it was even as I had loved the mother of God, had she come down from the altar-picture at the church of Middleham of the wood. And whoso saith otherwise, I give him the lie back in his teeth, and will meet him face to face if I may, and then, meseems, it will go hard with him. Spake the earl, laughing, I will be no champion against thee, for I hold my skin and my bones of too much price thereto. And moreover, though meseemeth the blessed virgin would have a hot lover in thee were she to come down to earth and nigh thy dwelling, Yet trow I thy tale, that thou hast dealt with my lady in honour. Therefore, lad, what sayest thou? Wilt thou be a man of mine, and bear arms for me, and do my will? Spake Christopher, Lord, this is better than hanging. Why, so it is, lad, said the earl, laughing again, as some would say better by a good deal. But hearken, if thou take it, thou must abide here in Green Harbour, a long while, maybe, yea, even so long as my lady dwelleth here. Christopher flushed and said, Lord, thou art kind and gracious, and I will take thy bidding. The earl said, Well, so it shall be then, and presently thou shalt go out of this guard-room a free man, but abide a while. Therewith he drew a stool to him and sat down, and spake not for a long while, and Christopher abode his pleasure. At last spake the earl, One day may happen, we may make a wedding for thee, and that no ill one. Christopher laughed. Lord, said he, what lady will wed me, and no man's son? 
said the earl not if the lord of meadham be thy friend well then how if the lady and queen of meadham make thee the wedding said christopher i will liefer to make mine own wedding when so i need a woman in my bed i will compel no woman nor ask others to compel her the earl rose up and fell to pacing the prison to and fro and at last he stood over against christopher and said hearken forester i will foretell thy fortune it is that thou shalt become great by wedding christopher held his peace and the earl spake again now is the shortest word best we deem thee both goodly and doughty and would wed thee to a great lady even that one to whom thou hast shown kindness in the wilderness said christopher it is the want of great laws to mock poor folk therefore i must not show anger against thee i mock thee not said the earl i mean naught but as my words say nay then said christopher thou biddest me an evil deed great lord what i said was that i would compel no woman and shall i compel her who is the wonder of the world and my very own lady hold thy peace sir fool said the earl let me tell thee that she is as like to compel thee as thou her and as to her being thy lady she shall be thy lady and wife indeed but not here for above all things will she get her away from green harbour and thou shalt be her champion to lead her about the world like a knight-errant now was christopher so troubled that he knew not what countenance to make and scarce might he get a word out of his mouth a long while at last he said lord i see that i must needs do thy will if this be no trap which thou hast set for me but over wonderful it is that a great lady should be wedded to a gangrel churl the earl laughed many a fairly fair to the fair-eyed quoth he and also will i tell thee in thine ear that this lady may not be so great as her name is great did she praise her life-days to thee nay said christopher i mind me well she called herself the poor captive she said but sooth quoth the earl and her going away from green harbour is instead of her captivity and i tell thee it is by that only i may make her joyous and now one word thou that criest out for the toffs in battle art not altogether unfriended meseemeth christopher looked up proudly and fiercely he said forsooth lord my friends are good though thou callest them wolfheads and gallows meat champion said the earl laughing that may well be sooth and there are many ups and downs in the world but think thee that the time may come when thou and thy friends may wend to my help and may win the names of knight and baron and earl such hap hath been aforetime and now i crave of thee when thou comest back to the tofts to bid jack fall upon other lands than meadham when he rideth because of the gift and wedding that i give thee now so lad i deem that thou hast chosen thy part but let not the tale thereof go out of thy mouth or thou wilt gab away thy wedding lo thou i leave this door open behind me and presently shall the smith come here to do away with thine irons and i shall send a squire to thee to lead thee to a fair chamber and to bring thee goodly raiment and do thou play amongst thy fellows as one of the best of them and show them if thou wilt some such feats in peace as yesterday thou showest them in battle and to-morrow there will be new tidings and therewith he departed no worse than his word he was and anon came the smith and the squire 
and he was brought to a chamber and raiment of fine linen and silk and embroidery was brought to him and when he was new clad he looked like a king's son whereas aforetime he looked like a god of the gentiles of old all men praised his beauty and his courtesy and after dinner was and they had rested they bade him play with them and show them his prowess and he was nought loath thereto and did what he might in running and leaping and casting of the bar and shooting in the bow and in all these things he was so far before every one that they marvelled at him and said it was well indeed that he had not been slain yesterday as to wrestling therein he might do but little for all forbore him after the first man had stood before him a squire well learned in war and long and tough and deemed a very stark man him christopher threw over his shoulder as though he had been a child of twelve years so wore the day at green harbour in merrier wise for all good folk than for many a day had been the want there end of part five